Hello, church. I want to welcome our family at Bendorf, all of you here at Rock Island, and even the family joining us online. And if you're a guest with us, especially want to welcome you. Super glad you're here. This is week two of a three-week conversation around a contradiction, an oxymoron, if you would. The idea where we take two words with incongruency to them, we match them up, and they just shouldn't be that way. Those oxymorons can be things that are clearly misunderstood or seriously funny. Those are both oxymorons. But the one we're focused on in this series is the concept of a Christian atheist. Someone who says they follow Jesus as Lord, but lives as if everything is up to them. That's a Christian atheist. And there are eternal implications for living that way. And so we're taking time to understand those implications. Because any one of us could, could stumble into living that way. So we're looking at it in three specific areas. Three areas that we can end up living as a Christian atheist and not even know it. Those areas are the areas of the heart, health, and habits. Heart, health, and habits. And if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and turn or click to Romans chapter 7. Put your thumb in there and hold. That's where we're going to start our study in Scripture. But it was last week that we kicked things off by looking at the heart. This is week two where we're going to look at health. But last week we laid the foundation around the heart. And we saw that, that the heart is a symbol of the center of our life. It's the center of our emotions. It's the, the thing that has our attention, our affection, our, our desire, even our, our love. It's a powerful symbol. And for years, many people have just said, follow your heart. It's a very popular sentiment. It sounds noble and romantic, but it's flawed. And it'll never work. Because our heart doesn't lead it follows. We saw last week that God created our heart to follow, not lead. Our heart is specifically created to follow him, and, and until it is aligned to him through Jesus Christ, our heart will never be satisfied. And if you missed that part of the conversation, you can find it at heritageqc.com. But the truth of the matter is that if we seek to live our life the way we want to, as opposed to the way God wants us to, we are not living in obedience. And our heart is not aligned to him. And we're living as a Christian atheist. And most often I think we do that in areas of, of finance and fitness and daily function. It's the reality of heart, health, and habits. And so we're beginning a conversation to understand how we actually move past those realities. Now, the heart can represent things we love, but the heart can also represent health. I have on my phone an app that is labeled health and its icon is simply a heart. Many of you do too. It's an app that tracks the number of steps I take, the number of flights of stairs I go up or down, the miles that I run. It can track nutrition and other things. It's actually quite handy. Because when it comes to maintaining our health, we can be pretty bad at it. <laughs> Inconsistent sleep. The lack of exercise, not saying no to junk food. We can even wait too long to go to the doctor when there's a problem. And this guy is guilty of all of those. And I don't know about you, but this guy is guilty. And I think we can all struggle in maintaining our health. And it's so much so that it's almost like we're committing a crime against our body. Like this guy who's in the hospital bed, the doctor and police officer are next to him. And the doctor says, I had to report it. Based on your lifestyle, your heart attack was premeditated. We can be that bad at maintaining our health. So bad that we commit an offense against ourselves. Or even worse, 
We commit an offense against God. Because what we do or don't do contributes to being truly healthy or being unhealthy. But as we begin the conversation, I want you to understand that that true health is not just about physical fitness. We're not just talking about our bodies. God has created us with spirit, mind, and body. Spirit, mind, and body. That the spirit is foundational. But we also have a mind and a body. So there's more to who we are than what we see. You may have heard the old adage that what you see is what you get. That's actually really hard to apply to human beings. Because there is far more to who we are and what being healthy looks like than what we actually see. What we can actually look at which is both beautiful and complicated. So let's take a moment just to talk a bit about health because we can take health and we can break it down and categorize it in a number of different ways. We can talk in terms of of right nutrition, right rest, right activity. We can look at lowering stress. We can look at drinking more water. There's lots of ways to break down health, but I want to do it in just a handful of specific areas. And I want to do it with the help of a wheel. A wheel that I'm calling the wellness wheel. Or the wheel of wellness. I just think that one sounds better, so I'm going to keep using that one. But this is the wheel of wellness. Let me explain it to you. There's a couple of key areas. And the first is our mental health. Our mental health. This is how we think. But then there's also our physical health. And obviously that's how we handle what we do with our body. There's also an area, though, of emotional health. This is how we handle the things that are internal to us. And then lastly, there's the area of social health. This is how we relate to others, so it's relational. And then those four areas form the outside of the wheel. But there is a fifth area that actually influences all the others and rests at the center as a hub, and that is the spiritual. It's spiritual. This is the wheel of wellness. And we need all of it. And it gives us a holistic understanding of what true health really is and what true health really looks like. But here's what I want you to understand about this wheel. This is key. God made it all. He has created us with mental aptitude. He's given us real emotions. And we have true physical and social needs. He's made it all. Yet, most often when we tend to think about him and how he interacts with us, we think he's only interested in one area. That he only functions in one area. And that's the spiritual. And don't get me wrong, the spiritual has prominence. It's why I've positioned it as the hub and the center. But the reality is God cares about all of it. And too many people are living contradictory oxymoron Christian atheist lives because they are segmenting and separating out the mental, physical, emotional, and social from the spiritual. Pulling them apart and making them separate in the dynamic of their life. And they may focus on some things for a period of time but then ignore others. If we just take the physical, as I said, if we want to live our life and use our bodies the way we want instead of the way God wants, then we are living outside of obedience. He is not our Lord, and we are a Christian atheist. Someone who believes, often genuinely and sincerely, but doesn't listen and obey. 
This is the wheel of wellness. And it needs to be maintained in its whole. But it's easy to get out of balance. To have a misshapen wheel. To have a lopsided wheel. I think of those individuals who lift a lot of weights and those who focus only on the upper body and exclude the lower body end up with large upper bodies and scrawny little legs. You ever seen that? Yeah, it, it's disproportionate and it's not even healthy. But we can end up doing a very similar thing when it comes to how we live in our life and our health overall. Because we can end up focusing only on the mind and the spirit, the upper things. We focus on Bible knowledge, information, theology, and belief with no outward expression of that. And so we end up as someone who has a really large head and a tiny little body. Lots of information, but no outward expression to it. Scrawny emotions, anemic relations, unhealthy bodies, disproportionate lives. We end up living those imbalanced, disproportionate lives, and it is unhealthy. But what can even be worse is we actually take a step further in the conversation and we say, I'm going to separate the body from everything else because it's not as important as the rest. Remember, God created us spirit, mind, and body. And they're not segmented and isolated. They're not separated. To think that way is unbiblical thinking. It's Hellenistic perspective. It's the Greek thinking, Greek perspective. It's how the Greeks thought about the physical and, and the mental. They actually saw everything that was physical and considered it lower and, the, and that the mind and mental was, was the more important thing and they lived accordingly and that thinking has influenced our thinking. But it's Hebraic thinking, Old Testament perspective, the Hebrews who understood that mind and matter were both good and part of God's created order. And true health will only ever come from a full wheel. Now, I once heard somebody say that we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And I think there is truth to that. And if we don't understand it, we end up in a conflict in our journey towards health. A tension where we don't understand that when we do something in the physical world, how it impacts the emotional, runs into the spiritual, and we end up in a crisis trying to make sense of body, mind, and spirit because we just keep doing things we don't want to do. We end up in a struggle. But when we surrender to Jesus Christ, we allow him to be Lord and let him determine what's happening in our life, then everything begins to change because he starts to define who we are and what we do. And he leads us into greater health. If we don't have that, then we end up falling into patterns of thinking and thought where fear and flesh direct our steps instead of God. Other things than God directing our heart. And we most see that in when we do what we don't want to do when we live as a Christian atheist. And it's actually a pattern that Paul talked about. So if you still have your thumb in Romans chapter 7, let's go there now. We're starting in verse 15. He said, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. I mean, just hold it. 
Can you relate to this? I can. I have done things I didn't want to do. And I think we all have. And whenever that we do that, it's the moment we do that, then, then regret and shame and self-loathing all start to creep in. And it starts to impact and affect our emotional, mental, social health and well-being. And we begin to struggle when we do what we don't want to do. We can all relate to this. And Paul goes on to speak further in verse 18. He says this, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Look, we all have the desire for something else, but we actually most often don't have the ability to get there. And maybe you can think of a time in your journey where you were doing things you didn't want to do. You had a desire for something else, but couldn't find the ability to do it. It happens, but it doesn't have to. There is a way to break the pattern, to stop that reoccurring trip into a contradictory oxymoron Christian atheist life. And we're going to take a closer look at that next week as we delve deeper into the reality of our habits. But a foundational reality for us today as we begin to explore deeper the realities of health is actually your first real fill-in. And it's simply this, that the journey of a Christ follower should be marked by discipline that leads to health. The journey of a Christ follower should be marked by discipline that leads to what? Health. Discipline that leads to health. Now, the words of Paul in Romans 7 may actually ring more true than we care to admit. But God has given us something other than fear and flesh so that we can truly live differently with greater self-discipline than what Paul is describing. In fact, in a letter to his apprentice Timothy, 1 Timothy excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1, he said this, where he talks about we have, a, we have something, a spirit, that allows us to live differently. Here's what he said. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and what? Self-control. Listen, we have a spirit that gives us power and love and self-control. We don't have to be in that reoccurring cycle of doing what we don't want to do. And the accompanying self-loathing and shame and regret. We can actually live victoriously. We can live in power and love and health. But self-control is a prerequisite for it. Because a life without self-control is out of control. A life without self-control is out of control. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It doesn't matter if you're married or single. A life without self-control is out of control. It does what it doesn't want to do. When I was in junior high, I had some friends that, that came up with a game. They thought it was hilarious. They would take somebody's arm, and then they would take it, and they would move it like this so that the person would strike their own head. And they'd say, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Maybe you were the victim of that ridiculousness, or maybe you were a perpetrator. But either way, it is not that much unlike what we end up doing. We don't do the good we want to do. We do the evil we just don't want to do. We keep doing that. And again, we're going to talk more next week. But I wanted to start the conversation today. Acknowledging this reality. Because true health 
will always involve the full wheel. And if we're going to be healthy, it takes work. There's even a difference between being healthy and being fit. You know, you can go to the doctor, and as long as you have no major problems, they'll declare you healthy. That's not the same as being fit. But neither being healthy or being fit just happens. It takes work. It takes investment, discipline, self-control. Fitness doesn't just happen. It takes a journey, a progression with self-control. Now let me just step into the spiritual for a moment to make sure this is really clear, that, that God's saving work of grace is complete when we profess and believe. We talked about that last week. It is complete. We are saved when we profess and believe. But here's the thing. Our ability to experience all God has for us in the rest of the wheel is not. And seeing the power of God in our life is highly connected to our own self-discipline. How we live, the choices we make around the rest of the wheel. So, Let's go back to scripture, grab your Bibles again, and this time we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you're just cruising along, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you're going to hit Acts and Romans, and then you get 1 and 2 Corinthians. You get to Galatians, Ephesians, and those little letters, you went too far, throw it in reverse and back up. We're in 1 Corinthians 9. This is Paul writing again, and he's speaking specifically about a journey towards fitness. And he frequently uses the competition metaphor in his writings and in his letters. At least 12 different times he talked about boxers and, and runners and, and gladiators and chariots and trophies. And 1 Corinthians 9 is no exception. So follow along as we start in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control. In all things, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, something to understand about Paul and the way he's writing is the historical context and even the location. See, sporting events were as big in Paul's day as they are in ours. And so, Paul's writings were shaped by that. It's evidenced by his repeated use of athletics. And the run-fight metaphor here would have been pretty impactful to his Corinthian readers, especially those folks in Corinth, because Corinth was the center of the Isthmian games. And I said that right. Isthmian games, who, that were second only to the Olympics. They occurred the year before and the year after the Olympiad. So Paul, knowing this, calls for discipline and training. He says we need to train and compete as athletes who really want to win, who really want to win. He calls for strict training because without effort, nothing can be won in a sporting event. And spiritual fitness or any other fitness doesn't just happen. Now, I think sometimes we can sit in a space and we can see where we are and we want to be somewhere else. Maybe we want to be more physically fit, have a change in our relationship realities. And we may specifically want to actually sign up and compete in something like a race or a sporting event of some sort. 
We may even make the decision to commit to it, but we never get off the couch. We never take that next step. And so nothing happens and nothing changes. We just keep doing what we don't want to do. I think there are also times where we can make a commitment. We actually get off the couch, but because we don't have a plan, we don't get very far. It's actually what happens around New Year's quite often where people set a goal and they take a step, but because they don't have a plan, they get frustrated and quit. And the same is true for our spiritual lives and our wellness around the wheel of wellness. Look, Roman athletes had to train for 10 months before they were allowed to compete in the games. 10 months. That's self-discipline and investment because that fitness doesn't just happen. The guys who will be playing in the Super Bowl today aren't just showing up ready. They're showing up because they have taken time to invest in their readiness. They had to work at it. It requires discipline. And the same is true for us. So understanding how we do that is important. So let's go back to Scripture. Let's back up in that 1 Corinthians passage and go back to verse 24 for a moment. It says, where it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run in a way that you may obtain it. Okay, the question becomes how? How do we do that? Well, Paul lays it out. There's two key things. He specifically goes on to say every athlete exercises what? Self-control in all things. Not just in one area of the wheel, but in all things. And then if we jump to the second section, we see he continues by saying, look, I don't run aimlessly. I do not box as one beat in the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Because there is a spiritual implication if I don't. It's not segmented and it's not separated. In order to discipline our body and keep it under control, it takes commitment, it takes focus, it takes a self-control that the Lord provides by his spirit because we have the desire but not the ability. If we're gonna win and get the prize, we need him alongside. That physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, social fitness is a progression. It's a journey of steps, but many of us just need to take the next step, and we haven't. You know, it was about four years ago that I was not healthy. My wheel of wellness was broken. It was broken. I had been dealing with some significant stressors in my life, and it had impacted my health. I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't uh, exercising regularly. I wasn't eating well. I was probably carrying about 25 to 30 extra pounds, and I knew I was unhealthy, and I knew I needed a change. And I knew it infected more than just my physical. It had a broader perspective. So I made a decision to get off the couch and run a race, and I picked an Ironman race. Now, an Ironman race is a, is a long-distance triathlon, so you swim and you bike and you run. And, and after prayerfully considering it and, and talking with Beth and some others, I made the commitment to complete the 70-plus miles of this Ironman race with more than just physical realities. See, there was more happening in that journey. It, it was overtly spiritual and not just mental, physical, emotional, and social. It was literally uh, the embodiment of the things that Paul is talking about. And so I established a plan, and uh, by God's grace and his strength, I finished. <laughs> I finished. I, I, didn't, I didn't win. 
I didn't come in first. Yeah, no. But I didn't come in last either. And in fact, um, I didn't get a prize, but I, I did get a finisher's medal because I finished. And, and um, I actually walked away with more than just this, though. I walked away with renewed health and a deeper understanding and appreciation of the significance of all four areas around the wheel and how they are connected to the spiritual with lessons from each one, spiritual lessons around each one. You know, God enabled me to do that. He gave me the strength to do it. I had to do my part, and it wasn't easy. In fact, the first time I started training for the run portion, I ran a mile and had to quit. <laughs> but I stuck to my training plan, and I disciplined my body, and I was able to complete the race. But fitness doesn't just happen. It takes discipline. And when Paul says, I discipline my body in verse 27, some translations read, I beat my body. And I, and I like that because that's strong imagery. But it's actually a weak translation. It doesn't reflect and capture all that he meant. The Greek word itself literally means to strike under the eye, to give a black eye. So the idea is one more of I pummel my body and make it a slave. Making our body subject to the goal literally leading it around as a slave. Paul was committed to making sure that the physical parts of life were subject to the spiritual. Not where one part of the wheel is dominating, but one part of the wheel is subject and connected to it. It's, it's like we discussed last week that we need to lead our heart. We also need to lead our bodies. And Paul understood that the athletes who win are the ones who set aside the stuff that gets in the way and chase hard after the things that don't get in the way, that actually position them to win. Now, it's important to note that this is not about punishment, but discipline. Paul does, did not consider the body evil. He didn't embrace the Hellenistic thinking of separating out the body. He stayed true to the Hebraic perspective and when we read in Romans that we are sinful and we do evil, that is true. But Paul did not support those who punish their bodies in a quest for hyper-holiness. And neither does God. There are those people who do that. Those people, an individual who does that, is called a flatulent. A person who would literally whip and beat and torture themselves in a misguided attempt to fulfill the scriptures we just read. Flatulent, not to be confused with flatulent. Both stink, but we're talking about flatulent, A-N-T-S, those people who struggled to believe that Jesus paid the penalty for their sin, who, people who would self-torture to pay a price they didn't need to pay because of what Jesus already has done. And it is Jesus alone who positions us rightly before God. And this is incredibly important because the gift of salvation is just that. It is a gift. And if we're ever going to experience true health, we need to receive that gift. Because it modifies the spiritual and then impacts everything else in the wheel. And if you've never reconciled the spiritual, your spiritual and resolve, you need to start there. In a conversation with God where you receive Jesus as your Savior. You receive the gift of salvation. Because quite honestly, to trash or neglect one section of health 
does not make a wheel more effective. We cannot and should not trash the sacred. So let's move this to a so what, some practical application. Let's actually go back to 1 Corinthians, but I want to move three chapters earlier to to chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Here's what we can read. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. AKA, don't trash the sacred. God expects you to manage your body. Your body is a gift from him. And it's actually his. You're not your own. But it's your responsibility to care for it. However, our culture teaches us that we can do whatever we want with our bodies with whomever we want. And that's a lie. God created our bodies, and he gets to decide what is best for them. And he sees you as holding infinite value. Infinite value. Jesus demonstrated that on the cross. If you ever wonder how valuable God considers you, all you have to do is look at the cross. And when Paul says you were bought at a price, he's talking about Jesus buying your body on the cross. He paid the price for your brokenness, the whole wheel, including the mental, physical, emotional, and social not just the spiritual. So keeping your body in shape is a spiritual issue. It's not just about looking good, losing a few pounds, or or wanting to live a little longer. It's a spiritual issue, and God is holding you accountable to how you manage what he gave you because the Holy Spirit lives in you if Jesus is your Lord. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Let's go back to the wheel of wellness. And talk about a few things to consider so that we make sure we don't trash the sacred. Just a couple of things, one in each area. In regards to the mental, we'll start there. I want to encourage you to think differently. Think differently. Renew your mind. Set your mind and heart on things above. We looked at that last week. Embrace the truth and not a lie. We have a very real enemy who doesn't want to see you live into spiritual wholeness and wellness around the wheel, and he seeks to use doubt and discouragement and despair to get you to embrace that so that you live in fear and isolation and victim mentality. Don't let him do it. Know and hold to truth because that's what sets you free. Stop believing the lies. Think differently. And don't write stories when you've got a void of information. When we have a void of information, one of two things happen. Either we fill it with our assumptions or the enemy fills it with junk, and both are wrong. Think differently. Our life, the goal of our life is to bring glory to God. So eat and sleep and work and play with that in mind. Think differently. When we move to the physical reality, I want to encourage you to choose discipline. To choose discipline. As a people, we value freedom and independence, and we value comfort over other things, but both tend to undermine health and discipline. So choose discipline. Here's what Paul said in Romans 12. He said, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Offer your bodies. Choose discipline. It is worship. Beat your body, exercise regularly, stay active. But let me give you a disclaimer. Consult your doctor first. I am not a doctor, but I did stay at a, 
No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. Could talk to your doctor before you get active in some of these arenas. It's, it's for your own good. But get active. And one of the greatest obstacles is the initial season. When you get up off the couch and you try to begin to do this, you got to get past that initial season, past the basic dysfunction, past that lack of fitness. Once you get over that initial season, you actually have more energy. And it gets easier. And if you're someone who, who exercises all the time, but you're in a rut, like things aren't changing, you're not growing, listen, God has made our bodies are so cool that if we do the same thing over and over again, if you run two miles every day, two miles, two miles, your body will adapt and figure out a way to run two miles without spending as much energy. <laughs> Break the rut. Run three miles. Run faster. Put your muscles into confusion. That's where they can actually improve. And there's tons of different apps out there now, lots of different things to help us get feedback, track our progress. Just pick one. Just pick one and exercise regularly. Eat, eat less junky snacks, drink more water, eat more fruits and vegetables, and get active. But in the midst of that, don't forget rest. Don't forget Sabbath. Sabbath is not a ritual. It's part of God's design. And the reality is we do not get stronger as we're exercising. We get stronger as we rest and recover when our bodies heal. So don't neglect rest as you get active. But Choose discipline and get out there. Let's move this into the emotional reality. I want to encourage you to let your feelings inform. Let feelings inform. Uh, someone I'm married to, I won't tell you their name, has said that I'm, I'm like part Vulcan uh, from Star Trek, like don't have emotions. And um, I like to say that I have them, they just run really deep and I don't know how to express them. But in that conversation, I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking, you know what, we just need to balance feelings with fact and not let the whole feelings thing mess with anything. But that's not really good wisdom. Better wisdom comes from, and this is from my wife because she's awesome, she said that we really need to seek balance in it and not let worry and stress lead our life, but inform. Let emotions inform, but they should never shape the journey. Let them inform but not lead and shape. You know, when I started in leadership here at Heritage, uh, I'm actually a fairly playful person, but in seasons of high stress and demand and heavy lifting, I tend to pull back from that. And there's a season for me where I became less playful. And I was letting feelings shape rather than inform. But I'm working on it. Because I don't want feelings to shape. I want them to inform. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Let's take this into the social. I just want to encourage you to do life together. Do life together. This is the relational piece. We're not made to do life alone. We need healthy relationships with others. And healthy biblical relationships have expression in both giving and receiving on both ends. There's different ways that we can do that. We can get into a small group. We can get into accountability. But a cord of three strands is not easily broken. That is a biblical reality. And I encourage you not to do life alone. It's easy to just back away because life gets messy. Relationships are hard. But don't do that. Choose to do life together. I'll caution you in one thing that not every relationship is healthy. Not all relationships are healthy, but all relationships need boundaries. So set the boundaries as you do life together. And finally, when we get to the center of the wheel, that spiritual reality, I want you to keep the first thing first. Keep the first thing first. Keep the main thing the main thing. That's the spiritual. Keep it at the center of it all. Paul would also say to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he said this, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. It's at the hub. All things. Holding promise for both the present life and life to come. Keep the first thing first, the spiritual. It has value for all things. And I understand that this list, this is not something that just happens. 
It doesn't just happen. It, it takes intentional, regular investment. No one drifts into excellence. We have to work and be diligent and self-disciplined and self-controlled. And God wants to help you do that by the power of his Holy Spirit in you. So with that understanding, I wonder what is your next step for greater health? What's your next step? The, the, the longest journey starts with a single step. So what's your next step? Take it. Take it. We, we all have all the arenas of the wellness wheel. But pick at least one to change and improve this week. You're not missing a whole section of one. It's like not devoid from your life. It, you may have some areas that aren't healthy and they, they're, they're missing some components and need to be developed. But you have all five areas and you need all five. A, a wheel that is not whole, that's missing a piece is a problem. The, the smallest gap can be really troublesome. I got to tell you, I went to the grocery store this week. I grabbed a cart, and as soon as I did, I knew I picked the wrong one because the front right wheel, wheel was missing a piece. So every time it rotated, it went thunk. It was like a click. So it was like click, click, click. I went faster. It was like click, 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 click. If I slowed down, it was like click, click, click. It was annoying. It was irritating. So much so that it actually pulled the alignment of the cart. And I had to keep fighting the cart the whole way through the grocery store. Listen. <laughs> When our life does not have healthy and holistic balance to body, mind, and soul, it's like an annoying click, 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 click. And we end up doing things we don't want to do. So what is your next step to health? It's one of the five. Pick one. Talk to the Lord, see what he's saying, pick it, and then chase it. You may not be training for a literal race. You may not share my journey to an Ironman. Your journey may not involve a literal pummeling of your body so that, so that you can get a prize at the end. But there are different ways to pummel, different ways to discipline, to strike beneath the eye. It's when we say no to unhealthy things. It's when we get up early enough so that we can pray and read his word before we get started in the rest of our day. It's going the extra mile to help a neighbor. It's saying no to the thing that we have continued to do that we don't want to do. He wants to help you live victoriously. God is always honored whenever we give him our best and then trust him for the results. So I encourage you to leave it all out there in both your training and the actual race. Don't hold anything back. To actually be a people. Let's do this like out of Hebrews. Let's be a people who run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't lose heart. We are created to live a life in a manner that we win. Not, not one where we just survive, not one where we just arrive safely, or even one where we just remain comfortable. Jesus lived in a manner that he gave his life so that we can live in wholeness and health in every area. And therefore, we can live in a manner in self-control and discipline and submission to him by his spirit in us. We can live in a manner where our life is healthy and whole in the whole wheel. It is your spiritual act of worship. So take your next step. Take it.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that you have loved us enough to create us and give us life, that you have made us with mental, physical, emotional, and social realities, but you have also made us to have a spiritual reality. And in that spiritual reality, you desire us to have a relationship with you. You loved us enough to create a way through Jesus for us to have that. And I pray for those who have not yet done that today, that they would do it even now, they'd have that conversation with you now. But I pray, Father, also for all of us, for where we have neglected a section of our well-being, our health, our wellness, and it's become scrawny, it's become anemic. God, forgive us for that. Forgive us for separating out the spiritual from the rest and thinking you don't care about the rest. You actually do. You created us with all of those elements. And it is through the spiritual, God, that you want to see us transformed. So I pray that as we continue to sit in front of you and you ask you what is the next step to greater health, we would hear you, we would know, we'd have the courage to step boldly, to chase after it, to run and not grow weary, and we would allow you, we would allow you to lead us into wholeness. I thank you, Father, that you're willing to do that and you love us enough to do it. And I thank you for what you've done through Jesus and I pray this in his name. And everybody said, amen.